Drumming. This is the Working Drummer Podcast, featuring conversations with ground-level pros from all styles and regions. Real drummers with real stories about making a living in music. Hey everyone, this is Matthew Krause, and you are listening to the podcast Working Drummer. Today my guest is drummer, percussionist, band leader, producer, and educator, Joe McCarthy. Joe is the founder, leader, producer, and drummer of the New York Afrobop Alliance Big Band, winner of the 2008 Latin Grammys for Latin Jazz Album of the Year, and nominated in the same category for the 51st Grammy Awards for the heads-up release Afrobop Alliance, featuring Dave Samuels. If you go to his website, joemccarthymusic.com, you can check out his online teaching program called Basic Training. It's a boot camp for serious drummers. As an author who's been published by Alfred Music, you can find Joe's work under the title of Joe McCarthy's Afro-Cuban Big Band Play-Along Series. And last but not least, Joe spent a 20-year tour as Chief Petty Officer with the United States Naval Academy Band, where he served as Principal Percussionist with the Wind Ensemble and Chief in Charge slash Drummer of the Next Wave Jazz Ensemble, one of the Navy's two premier big bands. To find out more about this episode and the over 300 episodes that we've produced here at Working Drummer Podcast, you can find us at workingdrummer.net. No matter what your streaming service of choice is to support the podcast, subscribe to the service, click on that five-star rating, write a review on iTunes. All these things really help us grow. And of course, the old-fashioned word of mouth really helps. Another way that you can support this podcast is through our Patreon page, patreon.com slash workingdrummer. On there, there's exclusive content for our patrons. We are regularly adding educational content to our Patreon page. So for even as little as a dollar a month, you can access this content. So this is another aspect of the podcast that I have grown to just so enjoy. And I hope as a listener, you guys enjoy too. But it's discovering drummers I didn't know about, discovering new music, discovering all these things about our drumming community that is so wonderful. And uh, through uh, a mutual friend, Jim White, who was a previous guest just a few months ago, I had the opportunity to meet Joe McCarthy and uh, have this conversation. So I hope you enjoy this conversation we have, uh, talking about his diverse career in education, in band leading, his history with the Navy, as well as his new online teaching program called Basic Training. I encourage you to check out joemccarthymusic.com to see more about these things that we're discussing on this episode. So here is my guest, Joe McCarthy. at the South Florida Center for Percussion Arts. Is that what's keeping you busy these days? Yeah, I, um, uh, I, I've been teaching there on and off for a long time. And um, I, over the past year during COVID, I was teaching, uh, there's a, a, a course that runs during the academic year called Rhythm Fun, and it's four nights a week. Mm-hmm. So I was teaching 
you know, anywhere from, you know, it was mainly high school kids, but some middle school kids. But, you know, that was sort of like my regular gig each week in addition to any type of uh, online teaching. Um, But then uh, we started talking a little more seriously about some stuff. And uh, my, my, it was also my my wife wanted to, um, you know, we we had lived in New York City. And then we moved to this this little shore town in, in Connecticut, which was, it's a beautiful place, but it's like super sleepy. I mean, there's, there's nothing going on. Yeah. You know? So, so I had at the house, I, uh, the, the garage was detached. So I had turned it into a studio, which was great, you know, because like in New York, you know, you, you always, you had to rent a space and, you know, it took, took me like almost two hours round trip to get to my space. Cause my space was, uh, I lived in, uh, in Washington Heights and my uh, practice space was in Long Island City because that was the only place that I could find because all the other ones in Midtown were full. You know, so you had to share the room with like six dudes and you had to have a calendar and you're only allowed to practice for so long. I'm like, man, I'm not doing this. You know? Yeah, it's crazy. So so even if, when, if I was subbing on a show or whatever I was doing in New York, I, I would just take the train from home after, you know, we had lived there for a couple of years because it just wasn't working out and I wasn't able to practice and I wasn't able to work on the things that I wanted to, you know. So, but but the place that we were living at in Connecticut was kind of sleepy, you know. And so unless we were going into town, there wasn't really anything going on. So when I started talking to Brandon Cruz, he's the director of the school I'm at now, we started talking about sort of uh, developing a position for me which will probably eventually be uh technically like director of education i guess okay. it'll be and so he he has like a very specific way that he's been running the school and i have like sort of a different vision about some things that um i'd like to see happen at the school that are a little different than what he's been doing mm-hmm. so that was kind of the idea to bring me in okay. you know to to bring my thing, my thing is way different, you know, and I've, I've had, um, you know, like trying to add eventually probably, uh, you know, like a, a, a pre-college division. You know, a lot of the kids that I teach at the school now are kids that go to the New World School of the Arts. It's a school here in Miami. Oh, well. and these And these students are, you know, they want to go to music school. Mm-hmm. You know, they want to be jazz drummers or whatever they want to do. You know, so a lot of those students have been, have been coming to me, okay. you know, to, to try and get prepared to go to school and all that kind of stuff. So, but um, Miami's a different place, man. How so? It's a, it, it's a lot different than I thought it was. Okay. It really, um, it's, I don't know if you, have you, how long have you been in Nashville? I've been in Nashville for 20 years. I moved down here from Ohio, central Ohio. Okay. Studied with Bob Brighthop. Oh yeah, I know Bob. Mm-hmm. Fair. I went to, I, I actually went to the, the summer thing because, you know, I had studied with self. With yeah, self. mm-hmm. And so I went when they did the thing that was Steve Houghton and, yep. and Bob and Guy. Guy Romanco. Yeah, all yeah. those guys. I went to that and, and, and I, uh, I, I've seen Bob a few times. I, I, you know, I don't keep in touch with him regularly, but he's a wonderful teacher. Yeah, yeah. And he's a great cat, you know. Yeah, the, I, I uh, could never afford to do that summer program, but when I worked for Bob one summer in between – during a summer break when I was at the university, 
Uh, mm-hmm. He goes, well, why don't you just come work for me? And then you could just like hang out and attend the classes. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. So I did, I did that. I've always been curious to know with the, uh, my, my wife has been worked in the nonprofit world for many years and, and some of her work is with refugees and uh, just the, uh, the influence, the wonderful influence of international culture in different parts of our country. And I'm always yeah. curious to know how a place like Miami is, uh, uh, is, is affected by that in the music world. I, I mean, in the, the neighborhood that we, we, we bought a house, um, well, my wife is African-American, but I'm the only white dude. So like people look at me like it's like a freak show when I get out of the car, you know, (laughs) and and this area is uh, there's a lot of Haitian people, mainly Haitian people. But um, like there the uh, there's an older couple that live across the street um, that are I I can't remember if he's Cuban. I, I think he might be Cuban, but nobody speaks English. And you're like, nobody. I know I'm white, but I am an expert at rhythm. Trust me. <laughs> the most unlikely. Well, it's kind of funny. It's really funny that you say that because, you know, I've been, um, my wife is actually, um, she's an athletic trainer and she's up at uh, doing a, um, a dance festival up in the Berkshires in Massachusetts for the summer. So she's gone for the whole summer. So um, I have the garages and the house is being converted into a studio. Uh, it's being remodeled. So I just, the, my drums have just set up in, in the other bedroom because, you know, she's not here. You mm-hmm. know? So, you know, and I practice during the day and, and people are walking up and down the street and they just stop in front of the house and like, what's going on, man? You know, and it's like, and, and I've been shedding a lot because I'm getting ready for these, these uh, dates that we have to do up north. And, um, and people just stop and they're just sitting in front of the house and they're like, you know, and of course they're hearing some clave and they're hearing a yeah, lot of some yeah. stuff and they're like, what's going on? man?" <laughs> so they have, they haven't figured out what's going on yet, Yeah, know? but they're hearing the drums, you know? So, uh, what a uh, surreal experience. That's, that's amazing. Yeah. It's, um, but the other thing that I have noticed is, and, and, uh, I noticed this when I moved to, to New York and I know that a lot of people notice this. It was the same thing when I lived in DC, um, uh, for all those years when I was in, in the service band, it's like, you know, when you're, when you're a little bit older and you're established, you know, and you, and you come into town, a lot of people aren't, aren't, aren't so welcoming, you mm-hmm. know, mm-hmm. they're not, they're not so excited that you're here you know they say hi yeah but then like uh hey good luck man right (laughs) you know what i mean because you know they're nervous you know they think that you're gonna you know i'm not looking to take anybody's gigs you know Mm -hmm. but um i i have noticed a little bit of that um it's been uh you know like something i'm starting to get called for some things now but um it's been pretty quiet you know and of course the thing that you probably noticed like during the summer here is there, there's like it's like it's like uh, just a different world. It's like nobody's around, and like a lot of the people that live here, especially the people that are educators, they all leave during yeah. the summer. It's yeah. brutally hot here. Yeah, yeah. And the rain, the rain. I I didn't, you know. They they say yeah, it's a rain season. I'm like yeah, whatever. I've I've never ever seen rain like this. I mean, and this house has been having some some leak issues, you know, yeah. So it's been, it's been a, it's been an interesting summer. (laughs) Yeah. Now, how long have you been down there? Uh, we came down here, uh, it was like towards the end of April, I think. Yeah. Yeah. The end of April. And then, uh, 
my wife was here for about a month. Um, and then she left, uh, yeah, she had to be up there like right around Memorial Day and she's actually going to be there right up until when I go up for my gigs and okay. then we're actually going to bring her car back down here. But, um, yeah, so I've been here and, you know, and I've just been teaching at the, teaching at the school. We just finished our, um, our summer program, which was like a month yeah. of, you know, five days a week, you know, doing that whole thing. So that, that, that just came to an end. And, and now I'm just, you know, I've just been teaching private lessons and, and, you know, trying to get ready for this, you know, yeah. like, because it's a big band thing. Um, there's an enormous amount of, you know, like I have to, you know, ship the music up there and like, you know, people are yesterday, two people bailed on the gig, you know, mm -hmm. so that I have to, and then, uh, the musicians union hall in New York city, um, they're not booking any rehearsals right now and it's very inexpensive to, to rehearse there and it's right in midtown and it's like, you know, cause everybody lives right around there. It's extremely uh, convenient and cheap, <laughs> but with this resurgence of yeah. this Delta thing, now they're, they're backing off. So, so then of course, you know, the, uh, you have to have uh, a studio that can hold a big band and you have to have backline because, you know, nobody brings their gear into town, you know? Right, so, right, um, right. so then all of a sudden I'm having, I had to pay a, a truckload of money for this, this studio yesterday. Um, but you know, we have to rehearse. The music yeah. is hard. We can't, you know, as these guys are amazing world-class players, but you know, we, we have some new arrangements and stuff and it's just like, we have to rehearse. And, and this is what you're working on when you're at home. You see, I mean, you're, you said you're practicing every day. Is it just, is that been uh, your main focus? Yeah, I, um, um, I have a, I'm, I'm a, uh, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm very religious about the practice thing. And, um, I, I've, you know, I have a ton of stuff, different stuff that I, I, I work on on a regular basis, but, uh, you know, lately, I've been sort of refocusing on the Afrobop stuff because I mean, we haven't played in so long, Yeah, yeah. you know, it's like, I haven't touched that music, you know, right, right. and some of it's really hard. So, <laughs> so, um, yeah. And so, yeah, I, I, I've been doing that, but, um, I, uh, you know, I'm, I, I go at it pretty seriously in terms of the whole practicing thing. Well, let me yeah. ask you about that. Cause that, that's always, I always, I always have like a couple pages of notes and, and, you know, sometimes I, I, hit some stuff sometimes we, we we just it goes off on a different tangent uh, that's unexpected but one of the always kind of the, the backup questions i have is when you have time to practice do you practice and what do you practice because i'm i'm in that and and if there are some listeners that are that are hearing this that are maybe in the same boat as me that i just feel the need to spend like today um, I, when we're done, I've, I've got some time set aside to practice and I don't have as much now that gigs are back, I have yep. less time to practice. Uh, certainly I'd rather be performing than practicing, but yep. at this stage in my life, I've been, you know, over 25 years working professionally. My practice time is a lot different than when I was 17 years old or in school studying with Bob with a very focused curriculum. And now it's most, with the exception of a few uh, private lessons here and there, uh, I am sometimes at a loss on, not that there isn't plenty to do. I mean, there's so much I can be doing, but how do I stay focused? How do you, what do you spend time? I mean, you're an accomplished professional player, educator, band leader, 
what does Joe McCarthy do when he sits down behind the kit? Yeah, I am. Um, I this one of the things that I did this past year, and and I worked on it a lot, and, and a lot of it, I guess, had to do with this whole uh, online uh, teaching experience that we were all uh, uh, working our way through. Is I, I I came up with a system that I've been doing for a long time, but I finally just put a name to it. And I, it's called basic training. Yeah. I want to talk about that. Yeah. Yeah. So so this is like. Um, you know, like you, you see a lot of educators uh, that have a very uh, sort of just a very specific way that they teach, mm-hmm. you know. And so, you know, this is this is the way that I, I'm going to teach. And, and I've never had teachers that taught that way. Mm-hmm. They always taught the specific student, you know. Right. And, and, and I, bl- I believe in that a thousand percent, you know. So I don't have like, you know pages of handouts with this and that and that, you know, it's like, I, I, I've actually, I have a couple of new students that are coming in this week and, um, I, I need to give them what they need, you right, know? Right. And, and, and I think this, that this is incredibly, incredibly important. And so I do, uh, the same thing, uh, with myself. And so I still, there's still a lot of things that I, I feel like I, you know, I'm fascinated with rhythm you know, like different types of rhythm. And um, I just have a lot of things uh, sort of hanging around in my head that, that, I, that haven't made it to my hands and feet yet, you know? Mm. So I, I spent a lot of time, I'm sure if someone spent a lot of time standing outside of my door, it was some of the stuff would probably sound kind of abstract maybe a little bit, you know? But um, I'm, I'm trying to... Uh, I'm trying to sort of connect the dots, if you will, you know, and um, not only in terms of uh, I've really have spent a lot of time listening to a lot of the really great solo drum set players, you know, Nate and Antonio Sanchez and, and, you know, a a lot of these guys that are are just are uh, extremely compositionally minded, you know, and that that's where I am right now. You know, I'm, I'm. I, I'm gonna hopefully soon once this we get this whole house debacle figured out. I, I actually have an idea for like a solo drum record. It's called. It called I'm gonna call it the Drum Speaks, and um, it's kind of like uh, it's like a three movement thing, you know that that goes through like some just different things that that I've been affected by this past year, you know. Um, but also just in terms of, uh, can I say something on the drums, you know, without any other musicians and, and will it sound like music? (laughs) Right. Right. And, and so I've been working on that kind of stuff a lot. And, um, I, uh, I, I don't, my, my practice isn't like, you know, as specific as it used to be. You know, sure. it's like, you know, like people always asking me questions all the time about the Afro-Cuban stuff. It's like, you know, I don't really like think about it. Like, you know, it's yeah. just like the practicing is just the practice, you know. Yeah. And so they, the practice, you know, I could go through a whole bunch of different stuff and, and I don't, you know, I'm, I, I don't I'm not looking to categorize, it, you know, right, I'm right. just looking to see if I can, you know, play with some intent, play with some inflection, you know, uh, you know, try and do things differently. Um, I'm, I'm just trying to learn how to be, uh, 
I want my vocabulary to, I'm just continually trying to, to make it more uh, sophisticated, yeah. um, but but not sophisticated in a, like a, in a drummy you know, way, toe tapping kind of way, you know, yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm not like, a, I, I always get teased all the time, you know, that, you know, I look really boring when I play and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> yeah. I never smile and all that kind of stuff. It's like, I don't care about any of that stuff. Yeah. You know, yeah. I mean, all, all I really want to be able to do is to be able to make the song sound good. I want to be able to, to be able to make a great sound, you know, have a great sound. And, and, and I, I want to be able to, you know, just continue to grow with all of that. Sure. You know? Well, so, if there, as far as like learning to improvise, no matter what genre you find yourself in as a drummer, your area of focus, what you're inspired by, I, I, I've, I've come to the, the realization that the ability to improvise on and speak your voice on this instrument is beneficial for all styles because... 100 you don't have to be a quote-unquote jazz drummer to be called upon to improvise to absolutely. speak clearly. No, yeah. absolutely, I agree with you one hundred percent. And and you know when we talk about we talked about this a lot. Um, well, I talk about this with my students every single day. You know when we relate improvising to to the way that we communicate. Yeah. You know. Yeah. I mean, you're you're improvising all day long, right? You know, and some people are improvising on a super high level, and and some people are are on their way, you know. Mm -hmm. But it's like improvising, you know. I don't know why everybody always immediately thinks of jazz because it's like you have to improvise if yeah. you're playing a show, yeah. you know, yeah. Yeah. you know, or like when I was playing marches in the band, mm -hmm. we were improvising, mm -hmm. you know. Everybody's you're improvising all the time. I think that. If, if you have, you know, getting to the point that you have command of the, the vocabulary of whatever it is that, that you're, you know, either you're into or you've been tasked to play, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. that's it, man. Right. You know, you're going to, I mean, you, you improvise if you're playing some orchestral music, you can improvise because if you think about it, if you're playing a snare drum part for a, a very famous classical piece of music and you decide to use a different sticking than you know what any of the great principal oh, percussionists sure use. Good point. You're you're improvising, mm -hmm. you know, because I mean, like maybe that sticking, to, you know, the way that Buster Bailey played it, you know, maybe you can't play it that way. Or, yeah. So you yeah. you're improvising in, um, in 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 terms of being a great musician, uh, you have to make decisions. Yeah. You know, and decisions are a lot of times based on. You know, you, you might have to do something other than, you know, what could potentially be there, or maybe you can make it sound better. And that's improvising. Well, you know? and, and, and I think it all feeds into your voice. Like, mm -hmm. like the, you can line up six drummers and everyone play the same thing, but each sound like themselves. And, and take, a cert, take pride in, in that and, and, and just learn to love that sound that you're able to make on your own and, and something that other people find appealing and, 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 and want to hire you and work with you because of your voice. I had the uh, honor to speak with uh, the great Doan Perry uh, on this podcast uh, a couple months ago, and he said something about when we, defining what chops to him the definition of chops is being able to voice your own ideas with clarity. Yeah. And I I that 
continues. I probably mentioned this the last couple episodes I've I've done because it just keeps coming back to me, and that's one of the things that he said that I'm like, as we're all overwhelmed with what other drummers or or overly concerned with what other musicians and other drummers are doing because we're seeing it online constantly and then and that's in enforcing oftentimes forcing you to question yourself your own abilities your own self-worth and it's like no it's your ideas it's your voice it's your ability to express those things with clarity the way Doan says but what that has done for me that overarching concept is that's given me more focus in the practice room at this stage of my life to know what i need to work on okay when i was doing this thing on the gig last week that was me it wasn't as strong as i wanted it to do to be so i don't yeah i i do need to know how to play 50 ways to leave your lover because I just have to know that. Mm-hmm. But uh, my goal isn't to sound like Gad, because that's not going to happen. My goal is to sound like me, but the best me I can. Oh, man. You, you, that's 100% what you just said. And and it's like, you know, you, that's like when you said about lining up the six drummers, you know, you can just line up a bunch of musicians yeah. and ask them about, you know, chops. And and you're going to get you know it, you know the uh, the whole thing the whole online thing in in a way has kind of turned me off a little bit um, because a lot of the stuff that I see and, and of course this is just my opinion it, it's like you know uh, people certain people are posting so much yeah that to me some of it is it's like a cry for help mm. it's like does everybody really need to know. Uh, okay, I'm going to practice today. Oh, okay, cool. Well, I, I don't know that we need to, to, to watch your practice session. You know, <laughs> if, if, you, if you feel that you have to, uh, okay, yeah. why don't you just go practice? Yeah. It's like, do you, are you practicing so you can get people's comments on your practicing or are you practicing to grow as a musician? And so I think that a lot of this... Um, uh, this sort of virtual recognition stuff... Yeah, it's it's a little dangerous, you know, and and I think that, you know, for certain people, it has absolutely launched their careers. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But but what we the instrument that we play is a very physical instrument. And at, at a certain point, if you want to play like, you know, all of these people that are making you drool when you see or hear them, you know, on YouTube. What is it? Why? I mean, is it, you know, if it's the need, for instance, to play fast? Okay. All right. So you want to play fast, but you know, what if you're in a band that doesn't play fast, (laughs) you know? So it's like, I think that the whole speed and the, uh, just the whole sort of the circus display is, it it can be a very dangerous thing. You know, it's like now getting back to what you had said, you know, about, uh, the, um, the ability to understand what your job is. You know, what is your job as a musician in the type of music? Because a lot of times people may be in a band and it's not the music that they really want to play. Mm-hmm. Okay, 
And, you know, for 20 years, I was in a military band. Yeah. And there was a lot of music that, that maybe I didn't really like very much. But, man, we played the shit out of that music, yeah. you know, yeah. because we had to. Yeah. So and, and you know, and you, uh, you know, and probably uh, a good majority of the gigs you might have been on when you were younger or, or, you know, you get into situations where maybe it's not the greatest situation in the world, but you still have to make it sound good. Yeah. Yeah. So, so th- those are chops. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, right. Be, being able to get in there and make the music sound amazing, regardless of of whether it's your your heart, you know. But like you know, when I'm working on the Afrobop stuff, you know, sometimes it's like very torturous for me mm-hmm. because you know I I feel like man I can't let this music down. You know, this is my band. You know, yeah, right, right. And and it's like you know, so sometimes it's really hard. Me me and a friend uh, of mine. Uh, dear friend of mine, Vince Norman, who we've done so many arrangements together for this band and a bunch of other bands. Um, he and I just did an arrangement of Chick has got a match okay. that, that we're going to use on the gig uh, in Connecticut, just as a tribute to Chick, you know, yeah, yeah. but we did it in Calabria, you know, and, and so, you know, stupid me with my great ideas, you know, as part of it's in six, eight and all this stuff. And, you know, it's like, it's so great. So now I got to learn this damn thing. And, you know, I, <laughs> it was my fault and now I can't play it, you know, but, um, <laughs> that's great. But, though. Yeah. But, but do you know what I mean? And so, I, so I, it's like, I, I think that, um, I, it always makes me feel good. Uh, when, when I get the chance to either hear or to speak with or in, in, uh, in, a, in uh, a teaching situation to be able to work with people that that understand like what you and I are talking about. Yeah, right now. Yeah. You know, and they understand why. Well, know? and I think what's what's important is is to not is to come across as like there's an aspect of performing that cannot be matched to the likes and the shares that you get online. And again, we've had guests on the podcast that have done, that have used online, an online platform to grow their career and have done very well with that. And there are aspects that uh, online, stuff online, social media have benefited uh, aspects of my career and my co-host Zach's, his career, as far as growing our world and our outreach Mm-hmm. And and have used it. So I'm not talking about social media all as a bad thing, but oh, definitely not. I yeah. mean, what you're talking about right now, that is like very relevant stuff. It is relevant. And yeah, you can't ignore it. Learning from people are learning from that, like for real. You know, I mean, yeah. you have a great show. You know, thank you, thank you. Yeah, man, and and it's like, but. Right, yeah, get that. Right. yeah, there again, without online things or social media, there would be no podcast. <laughs> so I can't, I can't I mean, talk I complete mean, shit about it. <laughs> no, man, you, you're you 100%. I think, but then, you know, like, I think with everything in life, yeah. you know, you go to one one end of the spectrum and then you go to the other end. And then it's exactly. Like, oh, it's a balance. Oh, well, here's yeah. the balance. Here's the balance that I would encourage anyone that is, is maybe... So reliant on social media, and and as a parent of a young musician, I am excited to watch him perform with his fellow students, with his friends, and the reaction that I see from him after a great performance, and and putting all the hard work towards that performance, and seeing the end result, his spirit lifted for days on end, and I'm like, yes. That's it, son. You you are personifying 
those things that have driven me for years to, first of all, want to become a musician and also to remain a consummate student, to keep trying to catch that wave of doing a great performance in the studio, on the stage with other musicians. It's unmatched. And yeah, when I post something every once in a while on Instagram from my own personal thing, and I see people like, man, that's great. Yeah, I like that. It feels good. And maybe I'll get another session out of it. But really, what has been the, my driving focus has been just the work with other people and all those things. Just that that feeling that that that's what that's where my heart is. And I know that that's where his heart will will be more so. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if you if you go back to, you know, the beginning of music, that's what it is. You yes. know, I mean, oh, man, it's like, you know, being able to, you know, like minds and, and like grooves and, and just, you know, philosophy and, you know, uh, concepts and people, you know, that's when the shit's swinging, you know, when, when everybody is, is on the same plane, you know, yeah. why would we work so hard for anything else? Exactly. Exactly. I mean, my goodness, we're working our butts off, you know, to try and make some stuff happen, you know, and it's not, I, I, and I agree with you 100%. It's always very nice. I, I, uh, you know, I get a lot of, you know, comments and stuff from people you know about some of the stuff we've done you know or i've done or whatever and, and, and yeah that, that that's wonderful but i mean you know why was the the music created in the first place yeah yeah created because we wanted to get together with the cats and make music you know yeah, not yeah. so you know you can make sure that you know if someone gives you a thumbs down or something it's like okay then don't listen to the music anymore if you don't like <laughs> don't listen to it you yeah, know, yeah, yeah. It's cool. It's cool. There was a guy I met. Uh, no, no, actually, it was it was at when I was studying with Bob. Uh, there was a composer, classical composer, that came in to speak to us, and he was a student of Aaron Copland. Mm-hmm. So we're going back a little ways, uh, mm-hmm. and um, he got a bad review. Uh, this this particular composer got a bad review about something. It was really dragging him down, and. Uh, Aaron said to him, he goes, right, I'm going to give you a little advice. If you ever get a bad review on a performance or a recording, you take that review, you crumple it up, and you throw it in the trash. If you ever get a good review on a performance or a recording, you take that, you crumple it up, and you throw it in the trash. <laughs> <laughs> that was Aaron Copeland's advice. Yeah. And I, I just, you know, like we you set a standard for yourself, you know, for sure. Well, let me ask you as, as an educator, as a longtime educator, have there been any significant changes in the way you teach or have you felt a need to change your approach over the years with generation after generation or is there, or is it mostly young people or young people, no matter, or, or beginning students or beginning students, no matter no matter what year it is. Mm. Um, well, I have my uh, my student base is all the way from, I, I actually at the center, I have to teach a couple of extremely talented kids that are they're so young that they have at the center, they have one of those little drum sets. Yeah, It's like yeah. a little sonar kit that looks like it went through the dryer. <laughs> and um, and a couple of these kids can really play. It's like kind of scary a little bit. Yeah, that is but, then, but then I also have 
I have a, a student who's like 70 years old, yeah. you know, and then, and then everyone in between. I, I, th- this, is, this is what I'll, I, I think that I can, I can uh, say about that. I, um, I think that the, the work, work ethic, I'm just, and these are general statements because it doesn't apply. Some of the students are, are knocking it out of the park. I, I would say that the work ethic is a, a little, a little looser these days than it was, you know, a few years back. Um, when, when I was living in DC, um, I was teaching at, um, well, I was teaching at a couple of colleges. I was teaching at Georgetown University, but I was also teaching at George Mason University, and they have a great program there. And so, um, uh, a great music program. Cause like at Georgetown, uh, the, the program is quite a bit different. It's not really for performance majors, you know? So when, when I was teaching those students there, um, these were students that were going to school to become professional musicians. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So, you know, and in my studio, it was almost, you know, it was like it was an absolute no slack zone, you know? Right. It was like, you know, if I'm I'm actually going to prepare you guys, and and my students are working all over the world, you know, I've got some pretty, some great students, um, but I, I was brutal with with these guys because you know uh my teachers were brutal with me and they were honest yeah you have to be honest with your students and um i think uh you know over over these past few years it's like you know some of these students are are don't get too excited when you're honest and they don't really feel like practicing and they wonder why you're getting so upset you know and it's like you know so i think I think technology has sort of um, altered the uh, understanding of, you know, what it is that we do on our instrument. You know, uh, technology has given everybody this instantaneous whatever it is that they need. Yeah. Anything. Whatever it is, boom, you push a button, boom, you got it. And, and that, that can't happen when, when we learn our instrument or any instrument. But, you yeah. know, we're talking specifically about the drums or percussion. And... Um, Man, it takes some time, you know, it does. and it you does. have to be patient. Mm-hmm. You have to learn how to concentrate. You know, a lot of people don't realize that concentration is another study. Mm. You know, you have to learn how to count mm-hmm. with your voice, mm-hmm. even if you're not a singer. That's a big part of the basic training thing. Mm-hmm. And I, I actually just <laughs> I, I, I had a, an older student who uh, we parted ways because it was absolutely driving him crazy that I was making him count. <laughs> Sorry, bro. You know, and it's like, you know, you, you have to learn how to count. Oh, sorry about that. <laughs> you know, that's a, there's a, sorry. That's yeah, yeah. And there's a lot of people that have come to take lessons with me who play very well, who cannot count and play at the same time. But, and it's not to do it to, to, to embarrass them, but it's like, you're using your voice as, um, for learning forms, you know, for your, your voice is such a, uh, helps, make um learning su- uh such a quicker study you know because right, your right. voice helps you in so many ways you know and and you know your voice a lot of times will tell you exactly where it is that that the uh, the issue is you know well you you refer to it as the fifth limb correct um I, gosh i wish i could remember uh joel rosenblatt do you remember joel yeah. rosenblatt or, Ray, yeah 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 
he came to Capital uh, University where I studied with Bob, and I remember him introducing this idea of the fifth limb yeah. and singing rhythms with your crazy. Voice. Yeah, it's it's so important. And and um, the other thing is that you, that a lot of people don't think about is like you know when you're learning tunes or even if you're learning grooves, learn it with your voice first. You know, mm-hmm. and um, it, it's it's a very very important tool. But but getting back to what you had said about um, ha- has my style changed? I think that I am um, because I've been teaching for so long. I think I'm armed with a, a few more uh, uh, different solutions than when I was younger. You know, I've had so many different students that are like so wildly different in terms of technique, um, just in terms of how they learn. Uh, you know, you have. Uh, a lot of students that are terrified of learning how to read, mm-hmm. learning how to improvise, what, what you had mentioned earlier. I have uh, students that are absolutely terrified. You know, you put them, put, give them a piece of music, they will destroy it. But as soon as I tell them to take it away or turn it over and play something that's based upon what right. you just read, right. see, you, see you later. Yeah. You know, so, yeah. so I, I think that I've, um, that that has taught me enormously um, and I, uh, I think a lot about, you know, you know, what it is that these students are going through in between their lessons. And I'm, I'm always trying to figure out ways to be, you know, to be supportive, but also my, my biggest, um, my biggest, uh, victory as a teacher is, uh, I want to make sure that the students have the ability to be able to teach themselves. Yeah. yeah. That is my number one priority. Mm-hmm. And, and so being able to problem solve in between the lessons, that's the most important time. You know, you can say that you studied with this person, you studied with that person. It's like, you know, when you go to the audition, you go to the gig. Nobody gives a shit who you study. Mm-hmm. They just oh, say, yeah. play. <laughs> just play. you know, or I went to North Texas or I went, nobody cares. About yeah. Right. You know? It's just like, just play. Can you play? Right, you know? Right. So the, the work that happens in between the lessons or in, or in between, you know, whatever type of teaching situation that you're in, to me, that's the most important thing. And, and that's what I learned for myself. You well, know? And, and you said a couple of <laughs> things there. I mean, just you, you've, you, you keep saying over and over what I have learned from my teaching experience, what I have learned from my students, what I've, what I have learned from this whole thing. And, and that's just, I don't know, man, that that just reminds me of how special this thing is that we do, is that you grow, you're constantly growing uh, in, this, in, in this world of music to become a better teacher, a better player, better, you know, just, and how that just makes life better. You, you also mentioned that you are more in tune, uh, paraphrasing here, but, but just about what's going on with students in between lessons, in between the times that you see them. And I, I imagine that with the different, all the, the many students you've had over the years, probably life situations are so different. You don't know what's going on at home. There could be, it just could be a wreck at home. The, the time with you could be like that one respite from a, from a, uh, a home situation that's just not good. Yes. You know, and taking that into account. And, 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 you know, if you're in school studying music at a collegiate level or a graduate level, yeah, you need to get your ass kicked. 
Yeah. But if you know if you're 15 years old and it's like you're discovering music and you know how much joy it's brought into your life, yeah, you you, you want to nurture that. You don't want to squash that, but you do want to expose them to the joy of progress. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I think that um, when when a student. Uh, I, I get, I've seen this more times than not. It's the, the light comes on um, when they realize that, you know, you can give them something. I, a lot of the teaching that I do, even with some of the younger students, I, I do like a lot of conceptual stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, I ask them a lot of questions. I mean, of course we do the reading and, and, you know, doing all that stuff, but, but everything usually has, some, uh, there's always improvising involved, no matter what it is that we're doing, they have to improvise on everything, whether it's rudiments or like if we're doing syncopation, yeah, you know, everybody's great. got, you know, the, you said 50 ways to leave your lovers, the 50 ways to go through syncopation is more like 5 billion ways to go through syncopation. <laughs> so it's like, okay, now you come up with, uh, you know, this week you're going to come up with an idea of how you're going to go through this. Yeah, you know? I love that. Because, because when you get on gigs and, or if you're, you know, you've done a lot of record dates, you know, and I've been on record dates, you know, where someone's just going to give you, you know, whatever it is, a lead sheet or, you know, and you've got to make some music out of this. You know, a lot of the young musicians or like I have a lot of students that come to me to to understand um, the whole concept of playing in a big band, you know, and reading charts and all that kind of stuff. And it's like if you think about it and I remember when I was younger and and um learning how to interpret charts is is actually a very complicated thing mm-hmm. if you're going to do it correctly mm-hmm. and really understand you know understanding long and short understanding articulation right. you know why are you playing the snare drum when someone you know the the part is being um, voiced in the bass trombone or you know understanding all of that stuff and and if you really think about what makes a band tight especially a large ensemble it has to do with the drummer's ability to understand long and short. Oh wow! Yeah. Now that now of course that's I'm oversimplifying that. Sure. But man, when you when the when the drummer understands this is the length of this note, and this is the spot on my drum set that is going to capture that. Boom. Yeah. There we go. And then all of a sudden it's like the the, the it's almost like when someone's playing out of tune, and then they play in tune, and it start you know you hear the ring the ring of when something's really in tune. It's the same thing when, when the drummer understands how, you know, how we need to do these types of things. And um, it, it's just so unbelievably important. You know, you, you, it's interesting. You say that uh, I was, I was looking at some, uh, uh, there were just some sample charts that you had from one of your books. Mm-hmm. Uh, 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 remind me of the name. There was a couple. There was uh, there was like three different books, but there was a part one and part two. Oh, it's the uh, Afro-Cuban Big Band Play Along series. Yeah. And there were some sample charts. And I'm looking at this chart. For, I think it was Rendezvous here. Uh-huh. And some of the rhythms were similar, but like... Uh, so you have uh, like there's there's two bars back to back here on one of the first endings. It's an eighth note rest and a dotted quarter note. So the and of one, eighth note rest, dotted quarter note, and of three. The next yep. bar, eighth note rest, dotted quarter note, eighth note rest, eighth note. Yep. Accent. 
and then uh, you know, then a, then a, then a quarter note. But uh, the and of three there, unlike the first measure, is an eighth note, not a dotted quarter note, and yeah. it brought back memories. And I'm going, oh my gosh, yeah, that's a, that's going to be. I'm going to I'm going to voice that with a short note. Mm-hmm. I'm going to find something on this instrument that's going to yeah. give me a short note, or in this case, a long note, you know, or whatever. And Absolutely. And, you know, the other the other thing is like, you know, when a lot of people are talking about different styles of music, the way that we voice things also uh, greatly depends upon tempo. Because yeah. if you're playing something really slow, all of a sudden an eighth note isn't so short anymore. Sometimes it might be <laughs> a mile wide, you know, right. with, with the, some of the stuff that you've played down there. Yeah. You know, with a lot of the grooves that you guys are playing, man, you know, it's like if you have to play... A, a really, you know, kind of a washy, you know, slow tempo or something that's kind of swampy. And then all yeah. of a sudden, even if you're reading, what you're looking at might not be exactly the way that it needs to be played, you know. And, and uh, the other thing that um, uh, in terms of uh, like specifically Afro-Cuban music, you know, you see these rhythms written on the page. But then, you know, you have to understand, like, you know, going back and, and listening to the music of of, you know, from Africa and from Cuba and New Orleans and, you know, an understanding that this note, you know, uh, sometimes we have to put the note a little east or west of where we see it, For sure. you know, yeah. and, you know, and, and, and that's sometimes that's a very difficult thing to, to teach people or like Brazilian music, you know, oh, I love it. Um, yeah, it's, um, so you have to, uh, you know, there's a lot of study involved with that, you know, and uh, but but I think the thing that's really wonderful about uh, teaching students, uh, you know, the whole concept, you know, not just big band, but, you know, being able to look at something and understand that there's so much interpretation involved, right, you know, right, right. and so then whatever situation they get in, they, they can understand that there, that there is leeway and you do need yeah. to be able to sort of like what you had said at the beginning of the uh, our conversation about, you know, making it your own, you know? Right. Well, and, and, and also just kind of just bringing to home this idea that learning all these different styles, whether it's ethnic styles or, or, or stylistically, uh, a multitude of styles, how applicable so much of this, you're talking about short and long notes, even like in the studio, just if I'm recording an Americana track at home, I'm listening to the tempo and I'm thinking, how long do I want this snare drum? Where do I tune this drum to fit in this song? Yeah. For example, based on what you learn by studying or being, uh, taking the time to wrap your head around some of these styles that may not be in your wheelhouse or may not be a part of your gig, but being respectful of the the art the craft and even if it's if if it's not a a, a, a style of music that is necessarily recognized at the uh, um, you know collegiate level or whatever you know uh, uh, to to recognize uh, some of the brilliance and the choices that are made by yep. by these great musicians you know and and that's also ear training too sure you know yeah and it's like even like you know. Uh, if people, you know, when uh, when you when you talk to people about jazz music, you know, and if they they listen to some of the later Coltrane stuff and it like freaks them out or something, <laughs> like, 
it's like you have to give it a chance, you know, because it would be the same thing if someone listened to a certain type of, you know, uh, heavy metal yeah. that, you know, scared the shit out of them because they, they didn't know what mm-hmm. was going on. It's like, man, you got to give everything a chance, you know? Yeah. And yeah. So whether or not you're going to play the music, who cares? You know, it's, um, you, uh, it's ear training. And then the ear training, I, in my opinion, you know, one of the, the great assets of all the great musicians that we, all of us, uh, respect is the ability to be flexible, you know? You have to have, you have to have flexibility, you know, and, and right. to be able to to make sure that what you're doing is going to, to fit in that particular situation. And again, you're not going to learn that in a book, right? You know, right, right. You have to listen and you have to study and you have to be very aware. It, it's amazing how many uh, young drummers that I work with that they don't pay attention when they listen to music. They only listen to the drums. It's right, like, are right. you are you playing? with that drummer on the, <laughs> you're the drummer on yeah, the gig. Yeah. Pay attention to the band, understand harmony, you know, yeah. learn how to play the piano, you know, yeah, yeah. learn changes, learn tunes. It doesn't have anything to do with jazz. Yeah. It has to do with ear training, flexibility, being able to adapt to, you know, if someone explains a, a, a chord change or, you know, a composition to you that you can at least be able to follow the chord changes so you can understand the song, you know? That has nothing to do with jazz. That's just music. I had studied on and off for a very long time with John Riley. Oh, cool. Is an amazing drummer and, and you know, very inspirational guy. And, and uh, the lead trumpet player in my band is actually the lead trumpet player in the Vanguard Jazz Orchestra. Okay. Um, and, you know, so I, I go and hear the band whenever I can, whenever I'm in town. But um, he said that uh, he, he had a couple of things that always stuck in my head. It's like, you know, you're, uh, you know, you, if you're working on, uh, you hear a drummer that, that's playing something that, that obviously has taken a lot of time to put together. If it's a coordinated thing or whatever it is, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. it's like, and I say this to my students all the time too. It's like, you know, you can't, you know, you're practicing all afternoon and then you have a gig that night and then you're, you're going to play that tonight, no matter what it's this little, you know, how you doing five over mm-hmm. 57 or whatever it is that you mm-hmm. were working on. It's like, well, I'm playing it on this gig and I don't care. You know, I'm on, you know, I'm, I'm doing a club date, you know, and you've got your tuxedo on and then you're going to do your little poly want to crack around this tune. It's like, no, no, you're not going to do that because you're going to get fired, you know? And so he said, you know, like that's, you have to be very, he used the term, you know, testing your wings, you Uh, know? Yeah. And, and it's like, and it's so true, you know, so you, you have to understand, um, that, you know, whatever it is that you're studying, you know, there always needs to be relevance within the music, you know? And I think sometimes get, getting back to what you just said about people trying to get a wink from another drummer, you know, it's like, you know, it's like on a lot of the gigs that I've been on, when a whole bunch of drummers show up, I start playing a lot less, Yeah. you know? Yeah. And then they're going to be like, well, hey, can't you play a left foot clave on that song? It's like, uh, no, I mean, yeah, I can, but no, I'm not going <laughs> to it's like, it's like, no, you play for the music, yeah, play yeah, for, for the sure. music, for sure. you know? And, uh, and, and, and I, I think that if, if 
uh, more drummers would spend more time thinking more about music and, and maybe a little less about, you know, stick twirling and, and, you know, all that other stuff. You know, I mean, I know that stuff is cool, but I just spent four weeks with all these young kids and all they do is twirl their sticks. It's like, <laughs> hey, hey, if we could get them to play a double stroke roll, like, it's really cool. <laughs> my, my son spent a week at guitar camp here in Nashville. Kids from all over the country came in. I was, and I was asking him, how is it, man? How's it going? He goes, he goes, Dad, it's like a pissing contest. Everyone's just <laughs> trying to show each other up. I said, well, that's, that's guitar players for you, I'm sure. You know? yeah. But I said, but this is good. You know, you're, you're getting a feel for you know, what people, the psychology behind why people do what they do. It's really interesting. It's something that I think we're going to be unpacking for quite a long time. I want to talk about your basic training Lesson program, basic, being an acronym, balance, yeah. alignment, substitution, interdepend interdependence, and control. And you say, uh, I'm finding this fascinating, interde interdependence, not independence. And and why that word? What's, what's... Well, because to me, the word independence means that you're, they're go you're going in separate ways. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Inter, inter means together. Okay. So we're, we're working as a unit, yeah. you know? So I, I always, the word independence always um, seemed strange to me because yeah. like people are, they, they would say, man, I'm working on my independence. It's like, <laughs> so you're working on playing different at different tempos or something with your limbs or something. It's like, it's like I would rather work in the word inter to me uh, seems to encapsulate things working as a unit. Yeah. Even if you are playing, simultaneous rhythms. I mean, I, w I was being silly about that, but you know, um, I, I think that's a very important thing because, uh, uh that whole program, if you think about it, <clears throat> um, how many drummers, uh, when you're, when you're working on trying to get everything, you know, working together, you know, when you're thinking about an axis, you know, you, you, you think about, uh, all of our limbs and, trying to think of the the uh the way that we play the drums vertically you know mm -hmm. because you have low tones all the way up to high tones and and being able to i think of the drum set like a piano kind of cool. you know yeah in terms of tones and then also in terms of like color and then how we start to put everything together and i think a lot of times when people do a lot of the basic training stuff is very like sort of i guess you know coordinated stuff but it's all um, everything is based on like, you know, you know, if you're talking about balance, it's uh, a lot of times people, you know, for instance, you know, when you're dealing with your uh, a bass drum and a hi hat, you know, we're using two different types of techniques, you know, and with your bass drum, like the, at least the way that I think about the bass drum and for a lot of the music I play, the bass drum is very much like a stick, you know, where, where we're going for a bounce, you know, and, and then looking for like that type of tone. But if you think about it, if you're closing the hi-hat, you're using sort of a, a stroke that's opposite to what you're doing with the bass drum. Very much, because yeah. You're, you're, yeah, you're closing and you're looking for a tight, you know, so you're dealing with a lot of different things if you really start to analyze them, you yeah, know? Yeah. And then like velocity, you know, if you're playing on a floor tom as opposed to a snare drum. as opposed, So you have to, we have to, I think that drummers are very much like violinists and turbola players. Because we always have to adjust all the time. And a lot of people don't take that stuff into account. You know, if you're right. playing on a cymbal, 
and then you're playing on a snare drum. You're dealing with two completely different surface tones and also with how we make a, uh, the actual, the, this produce the sound. Yeah. Does, does that make sense? It's totally, and, totally. It's, it's, it's why, yeah, it's, I, I mean, I see Tony Royster do it on his Instagram thing where he's like shedding on a, on a practice pad kit. And I'm like, oh, that's, that's cool. But it's Tony Royster. But I'm thinking, could I get more practice time in if I had a practice pad kit? But I need to worry about tone as far yes. as how I spend my practice time. So that, that scares me investing yep. in something like that. Does well, you know, it's very interesting because um, I, I, the thing that I noticed with a lot of the kids at this camp was, you know, um, depending on what their living situation is, a, a lot of kids only have like, for instance, like a, a rubber, one of the rubber pads. Yeah. Now, the yeah. rubber pads, if you want to talk about something that scares, the rubber pads scare the shit out of me mm. because, every, you know, you get pad chops and then we and, and then we, I made the kids play on snare drums. <laughs> oh, I'm guilty. It, it was, I'm it, was guilty, it was so loud. It was so yeah. loud. It took like a few days. First of all, they were scaring mm -hmm. themselves <laughs> because I made them take. They were had those uh, those uh, Canon yeah, headphones right. on. You know, yeah, right. it's like take them off. Okay, it's really loud. Good. Well, you're gonna play softer now. Yeah. Oh, okay. So it's like I agree with you 100. percent It's like being on the actual instrument is so unbelievably important. Because man, we have to be able to learn how to control the beast, you know. And well, that, there, right therein, I was going to say uh, you have balance, and then the last, the, the last part of the acronym is control. It's unbelievable, you know. And and when you think about control, control also happens within all of the components of what you're playing, right? You know. So maybe the bass drum does need to be a little bit louder there, mm -hmm. or or maybe you know what I mean. So you have to have the ability to to uh, sort of mix what you're playing as you're going along. And that's really what that whole system is. And the system is, um, it, uh, it's sort of like a, uh, a way to not only fine tune to make sure that everything is working together, but um, you have to learn how to listen to yourself, Yeah, you yeah. know? And a lot of times people just they're like, oh yeah, yeah, I'll just do that on the gig or whatever. It's like, no, you won't. Mm. You're going to do what you practice, yeah. you know? Yeah. Um, and the other big part of the uh, basic uh, training thing is counting. Yeah. So I have, um, I'm actually going to, Zildjian wants me to record some of this stuff and I need to get it done. But um, uh, a friend of mine, uh, I had him make a, a, a track for this, this one exercise that we have. And the exercise goes through time signatures from 2-4 to Eight four, mm. and we created a little track to play along. So you play the exercise in two four three four 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 five four. So the, the, mm -hmm. you know, and you have all these rhythms that you play, and you play them in eighth notes, and you play them in triplets, and you play them in sixteenth notes. But you have to count four cycles for each of the time signatures. Oh wow! And it's been very interesting for me to see um, even advanced players. You know, uh, it, it's been very eye opening for me. You know, and, and it's so, I mean, and I'm the one who came up with it, so I, uh, maybe I don't think it's hard, but but it's hard, I guess. Well, <laughs> so, no, I think what your, your point is, and, and uh, it is very well taken as far as even experienced players, uh, I, I 
calling myself an experienced player. But uh, <laughs> so, I mean, I, I, I like to warm up before gigs, before I practice. So I have practice pads. I, I've been using different practice pads and kind of getting a feel for different surfaces. So, so sometimes I'll have two or three practice pads and I'll play the same exercise over it because they're all different materials. So that I'm, I'm kind of simulating that thing while I'm getting my hands warmed up, while I'm in a, in a controlled environment volume-wise within my house with my family and especially during the shutdown as we've all been living in closer quarters together. I do have a, I do have a, a, a sound-controlled room where I can practice, but I'm, I'm still always very sub, self-conscious of the noise that I make. And, you know, I need to get over that because... As I'm going back to concentrating on more basic stuff to and, and control, volume control, consistency, balance between the hands, I'm finding myself with just the snare drum, sitting at the drum set with just the snare drum and playing the same things that I would play on the practice pad, warm, um, a warm-up routine, uh, rudiments, different things like that, and noticing a dangerously stark difference between my ability on the snare drum to express what I thought was control yep. over the practice pad. It's and, crazy. And it the is, snare yeah. is a beast. It, it is the beast that we all have to control, you know? Yeah, yeah. Like, is, you, you should spend as much time as you can on that instrument because it's a very difficult instrument to control. You know, and, and I had a, you know, a period of my training and, and, of course, the whole time that I was in the band, too, you know, where uh, I was playing a lot of orchestral snare drum, too. Okay, you know? wow. And, and I was really lucky to have, you know, some of my uh, um, section mates who were just phenomenal orchestral snare drummers. And that was just their bag, mm-hmm. you know. So I learned a ton from them. And, you know, I certainly wasn't as good as them, but I, I could hang you know, and, and I still use all of that same philosophy, uh, in, you know, all of the music that I play. And if, and any of the great drummers that you listen to, they, even if they're playing music that is extremely loud, they, there's always nuance in the music, you know, the nuance is what makes everybody sit up. You know, when you, I don't care what style of music it is. You're like, "Uh Oh, like when you said the booty shaking thing, it's like, man, when the booty is shaking, people are, they're like, what's up? They're why? feeling it. Yeah. Yeah. The space why, between the notes. Why are you feeling? That's exactly right. The, the, uh, it's all the, you know, we think about beats, you know, and then we think about all of this space in the beat. And that's probably what I spend the most time during the day is, you know, how much can I manipulate that yeah. and still make it feel correct? You know, mm-hmm. it's, it's amazing stuff in it. And it's actually, you know, also very difficult to do yeah. correctly. You know, so. Yeah, and, and, and you talk about loud players and like those that can play loud or those can play dynamically for years and years comes down yeah. to technique and preventing injury. And, you know, there's just there's so many reasons why control and just that one thing alone, how important that is. You know, yes. in your bill. So uh, for, for people that are interested in this program, how can do they? Do they meet you in person? How do they access this? Yes. Well, it's, um, you know, obviously I, I would always rather do it in person. I have, I have a lot of students that are in all different places, of, uh, actually around the world. Um, but uh, if, if we can't do it in person, then, you know, of course, when we do it virtually, I, um, the, the, the system itself is extremely flexible. Mm-hmm. So I need to, you know, hear the potential student play. 
I need to know where they want to go yeah. because we can really tailor it very specifically. You know, if it's a younger student or if it's a pro that is just looking to like get their left foot together or what, whatever it, yeah. it's, um, yeah. it is, a, the, the program is extremely flexible. So yeah. I, um, uh, it's always tailor-made to the student and it's tailor-made to, you know, not only their, their uh, ability level, but what, where it is that they're looking to go, you know, it's and, huge. And, and it seems like your focus is on, it's not just providing a one-off lesson. Hey, come study. Oh. You know, you're, you're, you're in it for the long haul and also yeah. tailored towards the individual in yeah. this program. Yeah. I, um, you know, I think, um, and, and, and a lot of people have made a ton of money off the uh, the one-off lessons. Um, I, I'm not I, I'm not good at that stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, I don't even like to teach thirty-minute lessons. You know, mm-hmm. it's got to be an hour. You know, yeah, and I, yeah. I I need to figure out what's going on with the student. You know, it takes time. It's, yeah, yes, it does. And and I I really honestly believe, and you know, I'm sure some people will get pissed when I say this. You know, just saying that you took an hour lesson with so and so. Come on, man. For what? I mean, you are you going to put a, a picture on your wall or something? It's yeah. like you know, if you really want to study, yeah, one one lesson. You know, I mean, you might be able to get some insight into something. But what is if you really think about it? Why are you studying? Why are you taking lessons? Yeah. You know, because some people would rather just do it themselves. Cool. But if you if you really want to get together with someone and and actually study with them, you have to ask yourself why. Mm-hmm. What what am I looking to get out of this? Because yeah, yeah. you know, meeting with someone one time, I mean, what what are you going to get? Yeah, yeah. Get an autograph or a pair of sticks or something. <laughs> you know, it's like, come on, man. You know, it's yeah. like, are you really looking to study? Yeah. Are you serious? You know. Right. And right. so it's a process. Sure. It's a process, and and once a student, like I had said earlier, uh, you know figures out that they can take all of this stuff that they've learned and then they learn how to educate themselves as they're moving through this whole process of, of learning to be a better player. To me, that's when we're doing our job. They're on their you know? way. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, for yeah, sure. for sure. You know, yeah. So. yeah. Uh, I want to talk about the band, uh, and you've the band has sounds like you've moved from D.C. to New York. So now it's the New yeah. York Afrobop Alliance big band, and yep. this was you were referring to earlier. You guys have a gig in September. Mm-hmm. Um, but what I was curious to know is um, kind of how you discovered you you were in the Navy band or you worked in the Navy for twenty years. Uh, and yeah, I was in the I was in the United States Naval Academy band, which is the band that it's a permanent duty premier band that was at the Naval Academy in Annapolis, Maryland. Okay. So you audition for the band, and if you get into one of the premier bands there, uh, you can stay in one place. So I didn't have – I stayed there for 20 years, one band. Wow. That was it. You know, so that's where my kids grew up, and that's where Afrobop started. Okay. So yeah, the started, first, one of the first recordings was – no, well, the, the recording that won the Grammy, was that with Navy players? It was, yeah. And yeah. That, that's the record that we did with Dave Samuels. Right. You know, and, and it, it's, you know, it's, that was a very interesting situation. Um, most of it good. And there was one part of it that actually wasn't so good. And um, when I was in the band, uh, 
there was a leader who I, I really would love to mention his name, but I won't because I'll be polite. Sure. Who, um, when we won the Grammy, he was furious and to the point that he didn't want anyone to know that we won the Grammy. Uh, and there's not too many musicians that have gone through the Navy music program that have won even a Latin Grammy, yeah. but there were a lot of people in the band, yeah. uh, in, in the, on that recording that were part of the premier, but all of, all of the premier bands, not just our band. Yeah. Yeah. And, and he was very upset about that. And, and it really kind of made it, uh, a little bit of a drag for me because I mean, we had done this amazing thing, you know, and he, he was like, it was almost like he didn't want anybody to know, you know, and it was like, it, it was, that was a little bit of a drag and it was, that, that was very bizarre. hard for me. You know? seems bizarre though. You'd think this it, is, it sure, it sure does. Doesn't it? <laughs> like we, the, these are know. the players that went through the, I was part of their, their growth and their playing. And, you know, yep. I nurture, helped nurture, this that and then this band came out of my program yeah it, it, it was um it was kind of a crazy thing the other thing about that uh time which was i i you know if i i look back you know the, the band hadn't been around for a real long time when we won the grammy and, and then when we won the grammy it's like you know all you know everything like sort of changes and um the uh we were getting a lot of calls or i was getting a lot of calls for the band to travel you know, yeah, to go to Europe, yeah, to go all right. over the world. But we couldn't go because we were, you know, in the band. You know, right. we were all, you know, working. And um, that was a decision that I had to make. You know, I, I wasn't going to get out of the band because, you know, we were raising a family and all that kind of stuff. And so that was something that sometimes I, I look back on that and, and wonder how things might have been a little bit different because we we didn't do a lot of touring because it was extremely tricky, you know, because of our gig, you know, because of our, our military bank gig. So once I got out of the band and I actually went through, went through some life changes and, um, I, uh, I ended up, uh, moving to New York and, um, and, and that was the place that, you know, I always wanted. That's where I had originally sort of conceived the sound of the band in my head was because all of the bands that I really loved, that it had inspired me to put the band together were all New York based bands, you know? So when we, uh, finally had the opportunity to make, make a record there with that band, you know, and just really some of my favorite musicians, it was, uh, that, that was like sort of a dream come true and, and, and absolutely no disrespect to all the cats in, in DC because they're on like, you know, seven or of the records, you know, and they're all amazing players too, sure, sure. but it's just a different sound. The record just sounds different. Than yeah, the yeah. you know the the just the actual sound of the record I played different just at a different point in my life and you know I don't know if it was better or worse or whatever but it, it was just that was just a uh, to me personally it was a great achievement to be able to go and and make that record with that band you know yeah. it was a, it was a big deal to me yeah now uh, there's a there's a difference and you mentioned this with jamie on the drum shuffle you were on a couple episodes of his great mm -hmm. podcast the drum shuffle. yeah yeah great guy mm -hmm. um just the difference between dc and new york mm -hmm. just like really great you know both places can't speak highly of more highly of, of either groups but just just a different vibe different totally space. yeah Hundred percent, and then also, I mean, and I, me too. You know, you're uh, when you're playing in a military band, you just have uh, uh, your. Uh, it's just like you know, 
kill. Yeah, right. Don't miss a fucking note and just kill, <laughs> you know? And and we could read anything or, you know, yeah. everything is perfect, you know? That's why they, you I'm, say people say military precision. There's a reason uh, why. And, and it is precision to where, like, you know, I tell a lot of people, you know, that a lot of those records that we made, you know, like the very, very limited rehearsal time and some of it was not even rehearsed and people didn't, people don't believe me. It's true. Some of those guys were opening up the music for the first time on the record date mm-hmm. and they were killing it, mm-hmm. killing the music, you know? Yeah. So, and, and, and the guys in New York read just as well, but yeah. it's not a military band. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's just, just people that are in, in a different place. And, and, and the, uh, the beat is different, you know, right. the beat is way different and it's just, I, I mean, I don't know if I could actually just, you know, pinpoint exactly what it is, but it's just just felt completely different recording with that band. You know, uh, the one thing that I realized and, and this is kind of an, another interesting thing. And a lot of people had said this to me um, when when uh, I was deciding to move to New York. Um, I'm, I'm not a very patient person. I mean, I'm patient in terms of teaching, but like with myself, yeah. I'm, I'm not so patient, you know, yeah. and, and someone who's, you know, a very well-known jazz drummer had said to me, um, you know, you're crazy to leave DC at this point in your life. Cause I'm not a young guy, you know? And, and they were like, you're, he, he's like, you're crazy. man. Mm-hmm. you know, you, you get called to do everything there. You're doing all this stuff. But I was like, I, I didn't want to live there anymore, you know, and I had I, I went through a divorce and, mm. and all that stuff. And and I just I, I didn't I didn't want to live in that city anymore, you know. Yeah, yeah. And um, and so I uh, when I got to New York, uh, I, I realized that, you know, it, it was going to be a really long time before certain things w- would happen the way that I wanted them to happen. You know, yeah, for sure. And so. Um, that, that was, a that was extremely eye opening, you know, and when you're a little bit older, you know, you can, uh, you can suss things out much quicker, you know? And it was like, I was like, okay, all right, I can, I can, I can see what this is, you know? And, um, and so now it's like, you know, now that, you know, so a lot of people don't even know that I'm not even up there right now, you know? And, um, uh, it's, th- that town is, uh, you know, they, like the, the word patience is so unbelievably important in a town like that because, man, you you, you need to hang around. You've got to hang around. Well, you know? I, yeah, Nashville's been the same way. Years ago, a friend of mine says, hey, dude, just get in line. Just just be patient. Keep plugging away and opportunities will present themselves. Don't don't be afraid to just just be patient. Take your time because it, it, it will happen for, for what other reason. You just need to remind people that you are still around, still alive, <laughs> still, in, still in the industry. Yep. You know, make sure that your presence is known and then uh, and then wait. And uh, he was right, man. He was he was he was right. Um, the, the, the most recent recording for, uh, the big band, um, is Upwards, I believe it came out in 2019. Yep. That's the, yeah. Yep. That's the New York record is Upwards. Okay. Yep. Gotcha. So, um, let me ask you like, as, and and I've kind of got three, just three different categories here real quick. Um, and this kind of goes with what you were talking about, like how have your priorities changed at this stage of your life? For example, as a player, 
I, one of the things that, that I, I've have, <laughs> I, I, it's kind of funny. I've been talking to my wife about my, my wife is extremely um, philosophical, you know, which has really helped me a ton. Mm-hmm. I, I, I don't want to play music that I don't believe in mm-hmm. any. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually, over the pandemic, I, I was asked to play on a record um, and I couldn't do it. <laughs> and, and I, I just, I, I couldn't play the music. Wow. You know, I, I didn't, I wasn't going to be honest about, I, I was like, I, I just can't do it. And I had never done that before in my life. Ever. Interesting. I, I was just like, man, I, I can't make this record. I, I'm not, um, it, 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 I was, uh, sort of really fighting with myself and, and, and that sort of like just opened up a little thing to me. And it was like, you know, we, um, working musicians are survivors, you know, we have to learn how to survive because that's what we do, right? Yeah. And um, I, I've gotten to the point now, um, and I don't, for better or for worse, um, I want to be involved in, in music that, that I believe in. Yeah, yeah. And, and I absolutely believe in, and I will, I will kill myself to make sure that I can play the music the way it is. But I'm not going to uh, – uh, I've, I've spent too much time worrying about uh, silly situations that uh, I, I don't, it's, it's not doing anything positive for me and I could potentially not be bringing positive things to the situation because yeah. maybe I, I probably don't want to be there. Yeah. So uh, I, that, that's been kind of a, uh, I'm not a breath of fresh air, but it sort of has made me, uh, I, I can be more focused, you know, I want to focus on the stuff that I really want to do. Like, you know, we're going to, we're going to make a new record soon with the, with the band. And there's a couple other projects that are, are sort of uh, coming together. And these are all things that, that I've come up with and, and things that, that I am willing to put the time into, you know? And so I, I think that's the thing that has changed the most for me in terms of priorities. Um, and, and, you know, maybe, maybe that's, uh, I'm shooting myself in the foot for saying that in no. public, but, uh, yeah, I, I have to, um, if, if, if I don't, if I don't believe in the music, I, I, uh, I, I'll pass, you know? Well, I, and I appreciate that. Yeah, no, that it's just something about just learning more about the arc of your career and, and, and listening to you uh, speaking with Jamie and. I, I was inspired to kind of kind of put this this idea together, so I appreciate that. Uh, so, uh, and then this this may tie into the next thing. So, you know, ha, ha, again, rephrasing this this question: How have your priorities changed at this stage in your life as a band leader? Mm. Uh, I, well, one of the things that that really was kind of an eye opener for me was you know when I when I got to New York. And when we, especially when we were doing that record, um, I was, when I first got there, I was a little, you know, sort of, uh, not starstruck, but I was like really, you know, worried that everybody, you know, liked the music or, you know, am I playing well enough and all that kind of stuff. And it's like, man, that, that was dumb. Mm. That was dumb because in a city like that, I mean, people uh, to say that, you know, people smell fear and, <laughs> and, and, and maybe not even fear, but just. And there are so uh, many smells in that yeah, town. Yeah, there are. There certainly are. There, there really are. And actually, actually, Miami's in second place with the okay. smell, but, uh, and it's hotter here. But uh, but I um, I um, 
the, my, the way that I am as a band leader is uh, you need to be sincere. You need to be sincere. And, and you know, you're doing like, you know, uh, people's opinions about, you know, why are you playing that song? Why are we, we playing here? Why are you doing that? Yeah. Um, it, all of the decisions that I make about that band are, are, are always uh, thought about quite a bit, you know? Yeah. So not to sound like an ass, but it's like I'm not the, – the people's opinions that I'm looking for, I will seek – other than that, it's like this is what we're playing, and yeah. if we go down the t- the, the toilet, yeah. then you know it's my fault, and I'm totally cool with that. It's like, man, it, it's just like, you know, you go through life, and you know, for a lot of people, they're always like looking over their shoulder all the time. They, their neck is like broken to the right side because they're like, does he like me? Does she like me? Do you think I'm good? Yeah. It's like, man, it's it's like a disease, you know. Just take care of your shit, you know. Do what you need to do. To, and, me, to and, me, that's a sign of a good leader. I mean, I don't want a leader that's constantly questioning their own validity from others. They need to, for for you know, right or wrong, need to have a vision of what they're looking for and just and one hundred percent. And and I spend a lot of time thinking about that kind of stuff. Yeah. You know, in terms of programming for the records, yeah. In terms of gigs, um, in terms of having the right people on the gig. We've had a lot of really famous musicians in that band that will not play with that band again. <laughs> mm. And and it's just because it's like, you know, whose band is this? Whose band is this? You know, I, I know you're a very famous so-and-so, but it's like, hey, bro, see ya. Interesting. We'll see, we'll see you soon, yeah. you know? And it's like, and, and I, don't, I, I don't lose sleep about that kind of crap anymore, you know? It's like, I, you know, everybody has their, as... <laughs> As we know, musicians are rather opinionated people, you know, and um, it's just like, you know, you decide whatever it is that you're going to do and you execute the the way that you can do best. And um, and we always learn from the experiences. You know, we um, we had a chance to tour um, uh, right before COVID. Uh, We did a tour. uh, We were in where were we in Oklahoma and Texas and, you know, and. We and and it was most of the gigs were big band gigs, mm-hmm. so we just brought the rhythm section and then we just played, you know, with um and we brought our lead trumpet player too, and um we played with these different bands, you know. So we had to mail the music out, you know. We had to rehearse with these guys, and it's like, man, you just have like a quick rehearsal playing some of this music, which is really hard, you know. Mm-hmm. And so you just learn a lot about, you know, like okay, we got to get something. All right, we we need to get this done like right now so here we here we go you know so come on guys come on we gotta we we gotta get to this or you get into situations where people have decided that they weren't going to look at the music and they can't play the music Uh, Mm -hmm. but in that situation a couple times in fact i was in one situation and i was actually with with dave samuels uh, and um you know and 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 dave has passed and 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 i he's he was one of my uh I, I was so inspired by being able to to work with him and play with him. And, but we were in this one particular city and I made the mistake of, you know, the, the band uh, wanted to play all the really hard stuff, you know, and I'm like, man, you know, I said, we're only going to have one rehearsal. No, 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 man. We gotta... So I brought some other charts with us just in case. So we started rehearsing and Dave walked out. 
Dave walked out of the rehearsal and there I'm leave, leaving me there with the, the band that, that could not play the charts. Oh, oh, no. And so it's like, okay, we have one rehearsal and it was for a big jazz festival and we were headlining the oh, jazz. Yeah. It's like, ooh. So Joe went and reached into the suitcase and pulled out the easier charts after the break and said, hey guys, we're playing these. <laughs> and uh, and uh, thank God I brought those charts, you know? <laughs> So it's like, you know, sometimes it's like you, you, you want to be respectful, you know, but then you would, you would hope that, you know, like the, the people are going to do their homework and take care of their, yeah, their business, yeah. you know? And it was like, yeah, that, and a uh, couple of those situations are like, woo, yeah. serious eye openers for me, you know, because, right, right, right. you know, I would never do that. You know, if someone asked me to prepare something, it would be prepared and ready to go, you know, but then I quickly realized that not everybody has that philosophy, you know? So that was a, a, a great learning lesson, even though it, scared the shit out of me but you know it's like okay man i i gotta still make this happen <laughs> right you are you know? the band leader and exactly yeah yeah you needed to kind of follow your gut from the get-go i i you know it's like well, we did we didn't have any choice at that point you know right so right right like, okay so yeah we're you know and so you have to make these executive decisions and and uh you know maybe you're not the most popular guy in the room but you know it's like you know uh we we need to actually play like tomorrow night so uh yeah <laughs> I, guess we're not, I guess we're not doing those. Oh my two. gosh, that's that's. <laughs> um, okay, so the, this last one here, uh, again to rephrase, uh, how have your priorities changed in this stage of your life as a teacher? Mm-hmm. And you might have already addressed some of this at the beginning of our conversation. We were, yeah, because um, you were you were talking a little bit about how your your time now is is kind of taking into account you know, people's, people's life, their, 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 their priorities yeah. with the drums, depending on, uh, where your student is coming from, you know? Yeah. I, I, you know, it's like s- students are, are so different. Yeah. Everyone is so different that I, um, I, I think, I think the most important thing is to be able to tap the student, mm-hmm. you know? And, and I think, um, I, I, I don't know if it's necessarily something that has been changing with me, but I, I think that um, having the ability to, to inspire these people to, to understand why we do what it is that we do, you know, you know, a lot of times students will be like, you know, you know, well, why do you still practice? Why are you practicing? It's yeah, like, yeah. Uh, yeah, this is, um, you know, it's a, th- this is a lifelong journey. You know, it's a, and it's also a commitment too. you know, there's a, a lot of times where we could be doing other things and it's like, no, man, you know, I mean, we have work to do. And because I mean, that, that's like, you know, part of our responsibility as being someone who is, has, has dedicated their life to playing music, you know? Totally. So if I'm able to, to relay that to a student and I'm able to, to get them to tap into them. Uh, in, into their inner self to be able to trust me mm-hmm. um, and and to to know that I'm going to try and do my best for them. Um, I would say that those are um, are 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 probably some of the the things that are definitely at the top. And also because of what I said earlier, to be patient because I'm not patient, but I know that you have to be patient to do what it is that we do and, and to not let them get discouraged and, and to make sure that they understand that, you know, this is not an, you know, an add water 
and grow type situation. It's like, man, we got to chip away at this. We might have to hit it from a few different angles, but you know, uh, look at it as the long game. Even if you're not going to be a pro player, it doesn't matter. I, I remember when I was in the band in, in, in the Academy band, um, the, uh, when they looked at the, uh, education of all of the military, it, the highest education was always the people that were in the band. <laughs> if you think about it, you know, no one ever thinks about the band, but they're the, the military employs more musicians than anyone in the world, you know? Mm -hmm. And so musicians are pretty freaking smart. Most of them, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. And because we, we are in the, we have our head, you know, we're, we're like these micro, micro crazy type people, you know, where we're trying to figure out all of these little things, you know, and, um, that does a lot for your brain, you know? Yeah, yeah. And so these kids or, or these students of music, who cares if they're going to be pro players? We, we want them to be able to problem solve and we yeah. want them to be able to learn how to use their brain and their ears and learn how to concentrate and communicate, 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 yeah. 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 you know, who cares if they're going to be um, playing for a living? They have a love for music and they have um, an understanding of how they can figure things out. It's like, if I can do that for a student, then I'm cool, you know? And I imagine and, you've learned a lot just over the years about how to be more patient yourself. Oh, uh, my every, God. Especially as a parent raising two kids oh. and how that's translated into your, you know. It, it's, it's been crazy, you know, and, and it's like, you know, both both of my kids are musicians and they're both, you know, I'm, you know people always, I, I was never one to, to brag about my children. I was always very quiet about it, but my kids are, like extremely talented and they're very smart. They are, you know I mean? It's like, but when they were growing up, they didn't want to hear a word from me. Um, my ex-wife is uh, an amazing violinist and they didn't want to hear shit from us. You know, it's like, you know, I, I would say that's a B flat. And, and my daughter would be like, you're a drummer. I'm like, well, actually, no, I'm uh, classically trained and I could probably play this Bach piece better than you at this point in your life. Not now. <laughs> right, but, right, right, right. Yeah. So it's like, um, it, it's, uh, yeah, the whole patience thing, it's, uh, you know, when you're like really, I, I, I think I'm kind of an intense person, you know, and, um, you know, and I'm always ready to get after what it is that I need to do. But I mean, the art of patience is uh, something I will continue to practice <laughs> yeah. for the rest of my life because it's tough for me, you know, because I'm like ready to yeah. come on, man, let's go. We got to go. We got to go. It's like, and, and sometimes that's a, that's a very sort of detrimental thing. And I, I do not do that with my students. I do not do that with my students. But, 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 but again, I mean, you, you mentioned so, so many times when we first started talking about, I've learned this from my students. I've learned this. And, and then just mentioning about, um, your wife being uh, have this you know philosophical point of view, and probably having totally. a, having a partner in your life that is is there for you in in that regard to kind of help us better understand ourselves and our strengths and our weaknesses is so great. Huge. Her 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 line is take a beat. <laughs> take a take a beat, Joe. Take a take, beat. Take a beat, and she's always right. She's always right. Oh, so she great. spends so much time um, analyzing, and and I, I wish when I was younger that that I had I I had taken the time to 
re- really analyze things outside of music the way that she just analyzes life. It right. is it's effing amazing how <laughs> intuitive she is. But you remember when you were younger too, it's like, man, you better get your ass in the practice room and you better work and you work and you work and you work. And I can say very honestly, that's why my first marriage ended mm-hmm, mm-hmm. because all I did was work. Yeah, I was yeah. working all the time. When I wasn't in the band, I was out on a tour, yeah. out on a clinic tour. Yeah. Um, I was playing a show. I worked all the time. Yeah. And that didn't work out so well on the personal side of things. You it's know, tough. so yeah. Yeah, we learn, you know, we learn from things. And um, I, I'm extremely lucky. Um, my wife, Angelica, she, um, man, she just like, when I met her, it was like, holy shit. I mean, she gets it. She gets it, yeah, you know? Yeah, yeah. And it's like, and, and I, I don't know that I fall into that category. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know that, I don't know if I got it yet. Well, we know? surround ourselves with experts. Uh, Take a we beat, can. baby. Take a Take beat. I love that. Man, that's going to be the <laughs> subtitle of this That'll be podcast. your new record. Your new record. Take a beat. Take a beat. <laughs> Everyone, take a beat. So, JoeMcCarthyMusic.com is where they can find you and all this information uh, about the teaching program, uh, where uh, Afropop Alliance Big Band is going to be performing, that schedule, access to the different recordings you have there, many, many things. Um, uh, your website is laid out so nicely. Um, I mean, there's other things like if we're not going to spend a lot of time doing social media stuff or get caught up in that, at least have a place where people can access that. So it's it, it to me, I'm seeing this as like, well, what a great balance, you know, to be able to have to reach people in the 21st century without mm. bowling them over. Um, right. You've yeah. got everything. <laughs> <that> you- <laughs> um, on a, on a side note, uh, as we're kind of wrapping up here, first of all, man, thank you so much for this. This is thank you, Matt. Thanks for. Well, I want to say uh, uh, I'm so glad that you reached out to me through Jim White. Um, I don't know you. I think you, oh, you I mentioned loved- you did listen to that, and and oh yeah, I've I've heard a bunch of them that that, oh. that you guys have done, Jim. Um, I was uh, when I when I did go to North Texas, I, I was a graduate student there. Yeah, and um, and Jim. Uh, I became very friendly with Jim and it, it was like, you know, it was just one of those moments. It's like from the minute you heard the guy play and then had a, had a chance to hang with him, you know, like when I had mentioned earlier about somebody who just truly gets it, yeah you know, but he's an amazing human being. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the thing that I love the most about Jim and you can hear it in his drumming. Yeah. Uh, it comes out in his teaching, everything that he does, he is a beautiful human being, and and I was so glad that that you guys, um, uh, you know, connected. Uh, and I'm sure you probably you knew him back when. Uh, well, when, and, and yeah. honestly, man, that's how we connected because when I started this podcast six years ago, I I I have a list that I keep, kind of a running list of of, of people that I want to interview, and it's constantly evolving. But Jim's been on that list for a long time, and that's based on my personal interaction with him, mm. and, and not really knowing a, a, a not working in some of the same scenes as as him, and, and just being in Nashville. But that's kind of but but basically, it was just like our our day to day interaction when when he when when I was working at the drum store here, and he would come in, and it's like it made an impression on me because. I, 
more so than just about anything else. And it's like that informed me a lot as I was kind of coming into my own and figure out who I was as a player, who I was as a person. And um, that resonated with me. And then, you know, over 12, 13 years later thinking, who do I want to have on this podcast? And I'm like, I want to have somebody like Jim White. Yeah, I know he's a great player, but first and foremost in my head was he was always so kind to me. Unbelievable. He's a, he's a, a, a you know, like uh, you, you can talk about someone being sincere. When I think of Jim, the word that comes to mind is complete. Yeah, it's great. Jim White is complete. Yeah. You know? yeah well, he's a beautiful cat and he's a great musician and, and I, 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 he's a great friend. Yeah. Yeah. No, he's, he's, he's great. And, and, and uh, of all people to get, hammered with that awful disease you're just like yes fuck man and 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 just and just look at the way he just championed that shit it's like it's like and then the rest of us are pissing and moaning about all this other stuff it's like (laughs) yeah let's all pull our head out of our behind i know and 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 take a take a very good look at what's going on take a beat man take a beat beat, baby (laughs) so we'll have links in our show notes here where people can go and they can they can uh click on and 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 find you on here but joe thanks man so much for your time thank you so much it was uh, i i really enjoyed it and, and you're doing great stuff and Thank you. I can't, I can't thank you enough. Yeah, dude. Yeah, dude. Well, I hope things keep going, moving forward for all of us, but also yes. safe travels to you. Um, keep in touch with us. Uh, if you're ever passing through Nashville performing, let us know, or, you know, yep. even Atlanta or wherever. And, um, you know, this has been but good. Yeah. We'll definitely get together and hang. Thank yeah, you yeah, very yeah, much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I'll be in touch with you real soon, man. And otherwise, have a great rest of your day. Okay, thank you very much. Thanks, man. Bye-bye. I'll see you. So there you have it, my conversation with Joe McCarthy. If you get a chance, please check out the New York Afrobop Alliance Big Band. There are some samples throughout this episode that you can hear just how great it is. Uh, Joe sounds wonderful. The band is swinging hard. It was a good diversion for me and doing my research in preparation for this episode to uh, listen to some great big bands, some great Latin big band stuff that Joe does. And, um, and to get some perspective as an educator for those of us that are teaching different students and how important it is to introduce a multitude of styles and how important it is for us to understand a multitude of styles no matter uh, where our career takes us. So anyways, uh, big thanks to Joe for taking the time to speak with us. I want to do a quick shout out and thank you to our friend, former guest, drummer Jack White, who has redone our voiceover intro. You'll hear his beautiful voice on there. And also thanks to Jeffrey Levin for doing some of the engineering on that. Look for some uh, new and exciting changes with the podcast as we move forward into the rest of 2021. But big thanks to both Jack and Jeffrey for donating their time and talents to our podcast. Stay tuned next week. Zach Albetto will be your host for next week's episode. But for now, everyone, thanks so much for listening. Stay safe, get vaxxed, and uh, we'll see you around. Bye-bye.